Welcome to the Signpost Inn podcast, everyone. We're really glad you're here. When you're on a long faith journey, it helps to have a trusted travel buddy by your side. Someone who's been down similar paths before. But not all companions are the same. Today, we're continuing our series on spiritual direction. In this episode, we will distinguish spiritual direction from other relationships and explain why it's great to have a spiritual director as one of your traveling buddies. So a spiritual director is specially trained to walk alongside you with understanding, discernment, and care. Uh, They won't try to push you into a specific direction or solve all your problems. Instead, they'll thoughtfully listen and then ask the kinds of questions that spark self-awareness and invite you to talk to God directly. Together with a spiritual director, you'll tend the campfire when you're feeling stuck or celebrate arrivals as they happen. And then you can find rest in God's grace. So spiritual direction provides that rare gift of being heard and known so you can hear and know God more intimately. Do you long for a travel buddy who won't judge the twists and turns in your spiritual journey? Someone who can help you feel less disconnected from God? Then walk with me, Matt and Peter, for a little bit and uh, let's unpack this unique value of spiritual direction. So. Matt and Peter, it's good to see you guys again. Thanks for joining me on the back porch to talk about spiritual direction some more. Good to see you, Brandon. Good to see you, Peter. Yeah, always great to be here. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as all of our listeners are going to be aware, metaphors really work on me. And last time we were talking about this metaphor of somebody being on a spiritual journey and then encountering roadblocks or detours or getting lost in various ways and spiritual direction or spiritual director is, is somebody who comes alongside you in that moment and in that season to provide direction. And so you were wanting to talk about what it's like for a spiritual director to be a traveling buddy in those seasons during that, that particular leg of the journey. So why don't you unpack that metaphor for us a little bit, Brandon? Yeah. I think that the metaphor of traveling buddies is one I've used for quite a while. I've sometimes called it a hiking buddy or something, but the idea is that uh, we're all on this journey of life. And that's kind of what we talked about last time. We're all, we all have this journey that we're on. It's really nice to have a person that walks alongside you that may or may not, but has been maybe down some of these paths before, or who at least has got some training and skill about how to notice the things around you. Um, It actually makes me think of a hike I took a couple years ago with a group of young people. And we had a hiking guide with us and like the hike itself was fun, but what was especially fun was the guide would point out certain views that we wouldn't have noticed or took us a little trail that we wouldn't have noticed. And it was just, it was really nice to have somebody who knew what to look for and knew how to do stuff and also knew when it was helpful to take a break. And that was, it was all very helpful. So I think that's the metaphor is like having a spiritual director is like having somebody who as you're going through all the stuff that life throws your way, somebody who is paying attention to you and paying attention to God in the mix and trying to help you notice that more often, be more attentive to God, be more attentive to what he's doing on the, on the journey. I think it's like having a second set of, or another person attending to your journey helps you notice God more readily in your own journey. Is that a good start? Yeah, Peter, do you want to jump in and and comment on any of that? Yeah, I think that makes sense to me. In terms of my own experience with spiritual direction, that seems to fit with how I've experienced it. I think the spiritual director has another set of eyes and ears on your journey. I think like what you were saying there, Brandon, a spiritual director is less about directing you and more about maybe calling your attention to stuff Mm. that you might have otherwise not have noticed. And yeah. I think you, you mentioned that frequently, Brandon, it's spiritual direction is really not very directive, right? It's not, Harry, I've got the five next steps for you. It's right. more, let me listen well enough to you to see what's going on and what has taken place in your life. Yeah. There's a joke that I tell. It's not a funny joke, but the idea that spiritual direction is neither spiritual nor directive. And this is my kind of joke because it's it's just confusing. It's not actually funny. The idea is that I think in today's world, when we hear the words spiritual and spirituality, we tend to think of things like new age crystals and you know, it could mean just about anything. So it's helpful to say that spiritual direction, certainly in the context of which I in which I practice it, 
isn't that kind of spirituality. Rather, it's spiritual in the sense that it's centered on your relationship with Jesus. It's centered on your growth and deepening that relationship with God. The spiritual part of it is noticing that God is actually active in your life and he's not just an idea. He's not just a philosophy. So it's in that sense, it's spiritual because it's your connection with the real God. I think it's also spiritual in a much more Christian practical sense in that it's, it is about your growth as a creature created in God's image. So the fancy theological word for that is sanctification, right? It's, we got to be careful with that word a little bit. It's not about necessarily moral improvement. Like here's how you're going to, you're going to come to spiritual direction to become a better person in that surface level way of talking. Like the, I just, I got to, I got bad habits. I got to fix them. That's not exactly what we mean by moral improvement or sanctification because sanctification in the way I understand it is really more about growing in trust of the real God and that then works itself out in the rest of your life. So it's really about that relationship. So that's in that sense, it's spiritual. It's also not directive because I think we hear the word direction we think of somebody being our authority, tells me what to do, then I do it. But a spiritual director isn't that kind of director. Rather, it's another analogy. Rather than like a soccer coach who teaches you how to play soccer and is therefore your director, a spiritual director is more like more like a conductor director. In other words, it's directing your attention somewhere and keeping time and it's noticing what the orchestra of your life, so to speak, needs to hear or what parts need to be playing and encourages that part. I'm, mess that metaf I'm messing with that metaphor a little bit, right? Because the conductor is a little more authoritative. But So I would like to say it this way, like a spiritual director, rather than directing you and what to do, does more directing of your attention, yeah. which is why Travel Buddy is a great metaphor. It's a tour guide even sometimes. Like... I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I can point out and be like, oh, look, there's the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, I, I think that's one way that we might actually be losing some of our, you know, mainline typical American evangelicals, because I think for those people like myself who have grown up in that world, you're familiar with things like pastoral care or counseling, and you're familiar with things like discipleship, right? You, you know. Yeah. Every denomination has their own like discipleship model. Um, and sometimes that's very programmatic. Sometimes it's like taking a course, right? It's coursework. And everything you're saying is not like either of those. And so it's <laughs> like, well, well, then what is it? What are we doing? Is it, is it discipleship? It sounds like you're kind of saying no. Right. It's not like discipleship in the ways that I think most of us are familiar with. My, my experience with discipleship, having both undergone it and done it, quote unquote, is it's far more about training you in the basics of the faith kind of intellectually and then applying those principles to your moral life, which is a very important role. That that training needs to happen. In my Lutheran context, I think we would call it catechesis. You know, it's much more of a, here are the elements of the faith and here's how that works out and here's what you need to know and do. Super, super important to be done. But one of the ways I would say, the way I would say spiritual direction relates to that kind of discipleship or catechetical training is that discipleship can't really happen effectively, if you want to talk about it that way, without a solid trusting relationship with God. In other words, I can tell you all day long, here's the principles of the faith that you should believe and how you should enact those in your life. But if those principles and directives are not coming from someone who you perceive as being loving and who cares about you and who wants the best for you, then you don't, then it doesn't, ha then it's not going to have any effect because you're not going to follow it. You don't care. Mm. And I think sometimes I have noticed that we, in the church big sense, not any particular church, 
have almost got that out of order. It's like, we want to teach you how to live right and what to believe right, but have have no way of really helping you experience the goodness of the person from whom those things come. So analogously, it's like, if you don't trust your dad because he's a jerk or abusive, then you're not going to listen to any of the advice he gives you. And a lot of people, and especially in today's world, that's their picture of God. And so it doesn't really help to teach him much. You can say all day long, well, Jesus is loving, but my experience of him is that he's not, and then you're lying. So I think spiritual direction sits underneath that. It's like, let's actually have a real experience with God's goodness. Let's talk to God directly. Let's be involved with him directly and and know him as he really is. Well, yeah, then it's much easier to like, oh, when God says, here's the truth, here's how you should behave. It's like, I'm more likely to listen. Yeah, a bit of what I'm hearing you say is to your question, Matt, is it the spiritual direction like discipleship? What's the difference? Perhaps um, most of the discipleship programs that we would call to mind and be familiar with sort of prescribe a path. Hey, the Christian journey looks like these points, right? And you kind of have to understand these attributes of God and, and, and affirm these statements of faith. Whereas spiritual direction is more like, hey, I know you're on a path. Where are you at right now? I'm not going to prescribe where you need to go, but I want to be with you where you are now. And that, what I was hearing you say, Brandon, is sort of affords an honest opportunity for someone to be asking the questions of the journey rather than this sterile path or, you know, curriculum that's been handed to them. Well, let's talk about that. Like, how are you actually engaging with this and what does it matter? Yeah, I, I, that gave me a great image sticking with our our analogy of like travel buddy or hiking buddy if we are all on a spiritual journey or faith journey with god the true director of that journey the true person who knows where that journey is going is god and god doesn't reveal the whole map to us he reveals cuz that's not his goal he's he wants to be on the journey with us and most of what we're learning on the journey is to trust him as the good shepherd not to know where the journey goes then discipleship, because it's a good thing, it's the learning of the tenets of the faith, etc. Discipleship is sort of like right before you set out on a really long hike or on a camping trip, especially with a tour guide, you know, they'll sit you down and there's like a survival skills class and a rules of the road kind of class. You know, I mean, there's like things you need to know how to pack <laughs> while you get the, all the stuff that you need. So you're ready to go for the journey. And I wonder if discipleship might fit more as that kind of thing. And where it errs, if it does err, where we tend to err, we tend to think that we can in that like initial meeting, here's what you pack, here's what to expect, here's what you need to know for the road, you know, here's the thing, the animals to look out for. We tend to think that we can chart the whole trail, like we can give you the whole thing in that class, rather than see it as being a preparation for you're actually on a unique journey with God and it's not going to take the same trails that everybody took. The principles of how to travel stay the same, but the trail is not. Hmm. And the spiritual director is less the guy at the front saying, here's the principles you need to know. And more the guy who's like you said, Peter, walking along the trail with you, sort of asking those questions and keeping you aware and tending to your needs. But more than anything else, really continually directing your attention back to the actual guide of this thing, which is the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's, maybe, maybe, okay, maybe we change the analogy and then I'm, I'm sorry, I got excited about this. Maybe the analogy is we're all on a journey and God is our, our tour guide, our hiking guide. And your spiritual director is like another person in the party with you who's sort of like, hey, look over there. The tour guide's walking that way. Would you like to follow him? I'll help. Well, and that, again, that works for me. That makes a lot of sense. You often refer to spiritual direction as being more like having a spiritual friend. And what you just explained is what you've also emphasized other places. Even though you refer to your spiritual director as a director, there's not like a hierarchical relationship of like mentor and mentee. Right. It's, it's a little bit different. Yeah. I think that's important to note. Like. In my training, 
as I did a two two plus year long apprenticeship, and it was really emphasized that we pay attention to the power dynamic in a relationship. And and, and just side note, like power dynamics in relationships are not bad things because it's a ever-present reality in all relationships, greater or lesser, but you actually can't even have a relationship without some sort of power dynamic or differential happening. Just make the most obvious example here in the show, we are all equals. We are co-hosts. I have a little tiny bit more power in the sense that I'm the one who starts the show, ends the show, kind of directs the show, decides topics, right? That's actually a really good thing in the show. Otherwise, we don't have organization. We don't know what we're doing. Somebody has to do that. That So power differentials are not bad. But paying attention to them in especially relationships where there isn't, you're really trying not to have a hierarchy. So how do we do that even here, right? Like, well, we hand things over. I'm, I try to hand things over when it's appropriate to do so and let you guys lead when it's the right thing for you to lead. I think that's really helpful in understanding spiritual direction. So in a discipleship relationship, you have a mentor or a discipler. In a counseling relationship, you have somebody who's the expert. And in both of those cases, they tend to have more of the reins on the conversation. And I think there's a descending order there, right? Like in a mentor-discipleship relationship, the discipler, the mentor is pretty much the guy in charge telling you what to do. In like a counseling and therapy session, they, they try to give you far more power in that relationship and walk alongside you, but they typically are going to give you homework. They're going to give you some instructions. They're going to ask you to do things and you're following their lead, even though they're, they've descended down from the hierarchy quite a bit in a spiritual direction relationship. We just kind of go down even further. Yeah. Like I lead a little bit in the sessions. I'll open them. I'll close them. You're here because I have an expertise in some sense a skill, but that skill is trying to be just your skilled companion, not your skilled leader. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it does make a lot of sense. And I think in some ways that almost makes it sound much more inviting than the typical thing that our churches offer in regards to spiritual counseling or discipleship, because it does feel like I, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't in trouble or if I wasn't failing in some way. Oh, gosh. I, I think that, that's such a brilliantly important point to bring up. I have a friend who is a spiritual director, and we were chatting about, like, why do spiritual direction? Like, wh who needs it? And I asked her something along the lines of, like, well, why do you need to go? Why do you want your, to go to your spiritual direction? She's like, I go to spiritual direction because I don't need any more help. I have a therapist. I have my my church i don't need more help and what she meant by that is exactly what you were saying it's like one of the barriers to going to therapy is there's a real admission of i need help and go back and listen to our episode about the three hardest things to say right i think the goal what i want to create in a spiritual direction environment is that you don't need to need help to be here you don't need to be less than you don't need to come in and be like, oh my gosh, I got to go to the expert because I'm in a war. I'm in a state. Now you certainly can come in and be like, I'm in a state. But what you're going to be met with is not somebody who's like, ah, good, a project to be fixed. Let me help you. You're going to be met with somebody. You're going to be met with somebody who's like, yeah, you and me too, man. Hey, we are in a state together. How about we ask God what he thinks about this? But you can also come in and be like, I don't need more help. I don't need more advice. What I want is just somebody to listen to me as I talk. Funny quick thing. I have kind of approached my own spiritual director this way and been like, I have to trust that you're just willing to listen. And so I just, I need you to just listen. I just need you to just not talk. Just, just listen. <laughs> Cause I don't need any advice. I don't need any help. I don't need to be told anything. I just want to talk. In, in that vein of talking about having a spiritual friend, having somebody to listen and talk to, if that's the case, 
what's the relationship? What's the role? What are the rules for the relationship? It seems like it's, it's a little ambiguous as to what we're supposed to be doing here. Yeah. In my typical annoying way, I want to say, yeah. If you are a person who feels like the journey of life that you're on with God feels a little ambiguous and you're not entirely sure what's the next step. Yeah. Hmm. Welcome to, you know, that's, that's pretty normal. You're not alone. <laughs> I also want the next 20 steps laid out for me in precise structure. So I know exactly what to do so as not to make any mistakes. And so as I never get hurt, the Lord doesn't do that. Yeah, your question here, Matt, about this being an ambiguous journey of there is no agenda, you know, is language we've used before. And that can feel like, well, then what? what is the point? Why are we even doing this? Hmm. And I've experienced both sides in the receiving, but also in my role as a chaplain. This is, uh, you know, I'm not a spiritual director, but it's a lot of the same emphases on being available, being present. I don't have answers for somebody, but I don't have an agenda. I literally don't know the person before I walk into the room with them. How can I have an agenda mm. for them? And I think the thing that enables that to be a fruitful space, both in my own receiving and in my sort of trying to provide a space with no agenda, is the underlying assumption that while I have no idea what might be going on today or where, where this person might be at in their journey, back to your point, Brandon, the real spiritual director, the real guide, the Holy Spirit is here, is present, is at work. I'm just trying to listen well enough to their story to figure out, uh, you know, maybe catch a glimpse of what he might be doing or just to be present with them. And I feel like that underlying trust that me as the chaplain, the spiritual director, I don't need to have an agenda because the real guide, he's here and he's present and He's already up to good things. I don't need to invent an agenda for somebody. I, yeah. I want to listen well enough to try and maybe catch a glimpse of what God is up to. Yeah, yeah. It makes me think again of the hiking and wanting to ask us, why go on a hike? Back to my experience hiking with some young people, we were hiking up to a mountain lake. So it was a, I don't know, six or seven mile hike. The destination was this beautiful alpine lake. You know, it's not alpine, I guess it's not in France, but it's a beautiful mountain lake. We're very high. And then hike back down. Why do that? And I had the image of some of the younger people, like like kids that were on the hike with us. And reminded of my own, I was 12, 13 years old. And it's like, you start that hike and it's boom, I'm off. There's a trail, get to the end of it. And that was the point, right? Like the whole point of the hike was to get to the lake, right? Like the destination. You get a little older and you realize the point of the hike is not to get to that lake. And if you're not in, if you're not seeing the sights, enjoying the process, letting the hike change you as you go, then you're missing kind of the point. And I think similarly, Peter what does it mean to have no agenda? Well, it means to have God's agenda more than anything else. And when, yeah, so what is God doing when you're with somebody who's suffering in the hospital or towards the end of their life? Is the point for them to get it over with? I think there's something beautiful happening in that room with that person that should be observed, that maybe your job, Peter, could be to simply honor you might be there to be the one who sees that beauty. And that's your whole job, not to accomplish anything. And the person's purpose in that time is not to get it over with. You know, how do you say enjoy the process, but like be in the process with God and God is doing more than just getting them to some destination. Does that help? Yeah, that, that seems to line up with what I was trying to express. There, there's... I agree. <laughs> I think there's something much deeper there, right? Far beyond like what is spiritual direction and what are we doing? It's really much more about, and the, and this, I mean, this is what I think spiritual direction is for. Again, in our modern context, I think especially, I notice how many of the metaphors and ways we think about what life is are all very mechanistic product oriented. 
how productive am I? Where's my life headed? What are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? Do you have a, you know, a destination in mind in your life? And it's not that those are bad things to say. It's just that we, I think we live in a world in which that's the only metaphor we have. We talk about building faith, which is such an interesting idea, as if you could build a building or even building a life as if it's a blueprint that I can follow. You revert to older Christian metaphors and they're predominantly growth metaphors. Growing a tree, a garden, tending, caring for a plant, a even a culture or a child. You don't build children. <laughs> children grow. All that to say, one of the benefits that a spiritual director can offer you is helping you not just think differently about life, but to experience life differently that way. Like actually in, because it's really easy to say, ah, yes, instead of thinking about life as a building, I'm going to think about it as a garden and turn that thought process into just another, okay, I'm going to get there. You know, here's the steps. But having a relationship where somebody is skilled at asking you the right questions and providing the opportunity for you to do that different way of thinking, boy, uh, that was life-changing for me. And I've seen it be life-changing for a lot of others as well. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, I'm wondering if you'll comment briefly on maybe the difference then between spiritual direction and like therapy counseling. We, even as a team sometimes, and just explaining it in layman's terms to others, We'll kind of start and say, well, spiritual direction is kind of like counseling, but not really. Right. Yeah. There's resonant point in both of them, but would you maybe take a moment just to talk about what, what's different about them? Yeah. And we obviously have to be very careful with that because it's kind of like counseling, but it's definitely not. Right. I am not a therapist. I am not licensed as a therapist. I can't offer official counseling by any means. But like discipleship, there's there's overlap. Like, yes, there's a relationship here where somebody is doing a little bit of directing, you know, in spiritual direction, I'm directing your attention, maybe. And we talk about the faith. Similarly with counseling, the overlap might be we're we're gonna talk about your emotions, we're gonna talk about your history with your family, your history with your experience. You're gonna get to know yourself in a deeper way noticing patterns and things in your own life. So I think of counseling or therapy, it's the reason it's so valuable is it's like, they're like doctors. They're experts in a particular thing you go to when you have a problem. Just like you go to a doctor, if you have a broken arm, they diagnose, prescribe and help. You go to a counselor and they diagnose, prescribe and then help. And there is a very structured goal that you're trying to accomplish. Most recently in my own therapy, I went in, said, I'm dealing with so much anxiety. I need help. My, my therapist was very helpful and kind, but we started off with an assessment and then we had, you know, he has a 10 point scale and he says, you know, it's all subjective, but it's still there. And he's like, okay, we're at a, at a three and 10 being where you want to be one being where you're, it's where you don't want to be. We want to move up. Where are you right now? Three. Okay. Our goal here is to get you to at least, you know, a seven. Over the next six months, we worked a lot. We did another assessment. I was, you know, generally at a six or a seven. And, I, and we're like, okay, I think for now we're done. We accomplished the goal. I learned a lot of skills. I don't think you do that. Oh, we don't do that in spiritual direction. You're not going to get an assessment and we're not going to give you that goal because again, I mean, would you do that with your hike? How far along the way are we? How much of this hike have I enjoyed? It's a much longer term, much less. I don't set the agenda at all. In fact, I'm just there to help you discern what God's agenda is in this moment. And that changes over time. God is also not interested in fixing your problems right here, right now, and then being done with you because his, his goal is much bigger. His agenda is a whole life with you, spent with you. And I think that's a big part of this. Let me direct your attention to the fact that God is wanting to spend your life with him and his with you. As you're going there, you're, you're building in my mind, you know, another metaphor, right? And so this concept of, it, it, it almost sounds a little bit like 
some of the classic fairy tales. And the thing that's actually coming to mind is The Golden Key by George MacDonald. And in the, the main character just goes on a very interesting journey that was fantastic, is a fantastic journey. Um, and it sounds like spiritual direction is an open invitation to say, let's come explore this fantastic world it's wild. Um, sometimes the rules that we're used to are flipped on their head, but you're not going to be the same after it. And you're going to encounter God. And in a lot of times, those old fairy tales have various imagery that, that they do of this enchanting person that they encounter. And it's, I don't know, what you're saying is, is sort of sounding like this, this invitation of, what if there was a, a, an ability for you to step into that fantastic world and come away more alive. Yeah. You, you, when you return to this world, you're a different person and you're transformed and you're never going to be the same again. I, I, I love it. I, would, I guess I would only shift the analogy to just that the fantastic world is actually the more real world. Sure, yeah. And spiritual direction can be a way of being invited to notice that you're in that world all the time. Mm -hmm. and to grow into that, to be more aware that I am on a fantastic journey with a good God. So so I, the question I get from a lot of people, and this sort of transitions us, but the question I get from a lot of people is like, well, why do that? How is it actually going to help me down the road? And what's it going to do for me? And again, sort of tongue in cheek, I want to say, well, then you're not the right person for spiritual direction. You know, because if at this point in your life, you're still saying, Give me the five things that are going to benefit me. There's discipleship. There's counseling. There's a lot of other very good things that might answer that question. But when you're ready to be like, this paradigm isn't the only paradigm about that is the way to think about the world. And I'm hungry for something more. Eh, let's talk then. Maybe that's when you need to kind of. There's got to be more than just the five steps, right? So, Brandon, we're kind of focusing in on the way that spiritual direction is a space with no agenda. You know, another phrase that comes to mind is like, you can come here and there's no holds barred, right? You know, yeah. you can, wherever you are right now, we'll be with you. But yeah. it strikes me as it might be important to acknowledge in a space that is as open as that, are there, are there important boundaries that need to be that, you know, right. are there boundaries? Should there be boundaries yeah. in yeah. such an open space with no agenda? How does right. that play out in your own practice of spiritual direction? Yeah. Yeah. I think like power, boundaries are necessary in all relationships for a healthy relationship, right? Like we have talked a little bit on this show, but we're familiar with the idea of codependency in a marriage or friendship which is, you could describe that sort of as being a relationship with no boundaries or very bad boundaries, where I my identity and your identity are tangled up in unhealthy ways. So in codependent relationships, you know, if I'm the one who's providing for the need, I need you to be needy. And when you're not needy, it blows me up and I can't handle it and vice versa. And that's, that's an example of a very unhealthy boundary, even in a friendship or a marriage. So I think every relationship needs to have healthy boundaries because a healthy boundary sets the stage for where you're safe. So yeah, in a spiritual direction relationship, there are healthy boundaries, or at least that's how we try to structure the relationship. So really practical, simple things to start with. We time limit it. The reason you time limit the session, usually to an hour, is I think this is really relieving for somebody like me who feels like I'm a burden to everybody I talk to. You know, I have so much sadness and anxiety and melancholy in my life. I have to spread it out across all my friends because not no single friend can handle my complaining. In my spiritual direction session, it's really nice to know there's a time boundary. That's what I get. And my director is ready for that, Is knows that, and is prepared to give me that. If we go longer, it's because he is willing to do that. You know, and I'll do that too with directly. It's like, if I go longer, 
which is not very often, but if I do, I'll say, that's okay. I have set this time aside and I know what I'm doing and I have my boundary. And I will also then say, okay, we need to wrap up now. That time bounding creates a kind of safety and container. It also gives you a space where it's like, okay, I come into this space. I know I have this hour set aside for this conversation with God, with this person. That brings me, that brings some focus. Other boundaries are, for example, confidentiality. I work by a code of ethics. Um, you can find our code of my code of ethics on our website. But confidentiality is a very highly important part of that code. What you say stays confidential. I don't share it with anyone. There's always the legal disclaimer, unless you are saying you're going to hurt somebody or yourself. But that's a boundary that also protects the space for somebody. They know that I am committed to not sharing what they say with anyone. Other boundaries, I think, are we are not... You, we can be friends outside the room, but we have to protect the, we have to protect that. You know, we're not going out for coffee and just hanging out and without a little bit of care about how that relationship happens. We look out for what we call dual roles, right? So I, I won't be, a, you know, Peter, you and I started in a spiritual direction relationship. We hired you and I said, I can't, we, you've got to find somebody else now because that's, would be a very unhealthy dual role position, things like that. I don't know if that's helpful, but that there are there are structures to it so that we protect the space for the directee so it's a shame-free and a free-to-speak space. Sorry, that, that was a lot. I hope that's helpful. No, it really is. And I guess in my mind, that leads to a really good question of how, do, how does a person go about finding a good spiritual director if it's a good fit for them? I don't know. What's some good advice for somebody who's, okay, you sold me on spiritual direction. What do I do now? Yeah, call go on signpostin.org and call me to start with. Um, that's a great place to start. <laughs> but more seriously, the uh, my first advice is that the rapport, the relationship, the trust between you and the director is the most important part of the relationship. So you want to find somebody that you feel comfortable with. And not everybody feels comfortable with me. That's totally fine personalities, everything are different. So it's you, what you need to find is somebody that you feel like you could talk to them <laughs> and that you would like to have them be a part of your prayers with God. So the first principle I want to say is you don't have to randomly pick a director and gut it out and stick with it. That's that. Don't do that. You can, and every spiritual director I know will give you a session for free totally just to get to know each other and wisely will then also usually give a like a let's try three sessions together that's how i do it mm -hmm. so that we can both at the end of this process discern does this work for us because i think for the director it matters just as much for the directee mm -hmm. that the relationship works okay so that's kind of the principles to keep in mind how to actually practically go about finding one well yeah i actually First of all, if you, even if you don't want to do direction with me, I have a couple networks that I can point you to where you can find directors and try them. The organization that I did my training with, Anamkara, has a whole bunch of directors connected with that, that I can connect you to and you can try them. Uh, there's also an organization called ESDA, which is Evangelical Spiritual Directors Association. I'm a part of that association. And... They have a website with just a giant list. You can go and search by location, all kinds of different cool things. And then you can just try them. I would say, though, I like I want to add to that. One of the questions I received recently was, why would I get a spiritual director? Isn't that just what a good friend would do? If I had a really good friend, why would I get a spiritual director? And I have two thoughts on that. One is, if you have really good friends... And I, I want to be careful that I say plural, friends, plural. If you have really good friends who really are skillful at listening, not giving advice, directing your attention to God, not just encouraging you in the same ways you've always been encouraged, but asking those questions that might help you think differently and see God differently. If you have those friends, yeah, then you probably don't need a spiritual director. <laughs> I think, great. 
Now, that being said, honestly, ask yourself, do you have those friends? And then would it hurt to have another one who was specifically and specially trained and specifically and specially being like committed committed in your relationship to being single-mindedly focused on helping you notice and grow with God. So even if you have those friends, it's nice to have this person who is set apart. Let me just point out something here. This is part of the reason why I have adopted the model of actually being paid as a spiritual director. There, there's a lot of debate about whether you should be paid or not in the spiritual direction world because ministry people are we have our issues. But I think that that creates a boundary that creates safety and also creates trust for a couple of reasons. One, if you pay your spiritual director, so you have these really great friends who listen and work with you, right? That's wonderful. I have those friends too. My experience is it's very easy for me to start in, start thinking about, I am such a burden to them. And what have I done in exchange for them? Hmm. And can I really trust them? And what if they tell their friends? What And so there's, there is this ambiguity about that relationship that sometimes gets in the way. Whereas if I'm paying my spiritual director, which I am, look, he's got a code of ethics. He's got these commitments that he's made to me. I pay him. <laughs> there's no question as to whether or not in our friendship... Do I need to ask him out to coffee today? How, when was the last time I did, you know, like, nope, the paying him is a really powerful, he has committed these things. I pay him, but the relationship is clear. I don't need to, I can set aside all those worries that come with the complications of just being a friend. Mm. The other thing that it does is for me, and I, and I think for most of us, if this is worth something, then it's worth me spending something on. And I find that to be a really powerful, like, yeah, don't think of this as transactional, but it's more like I want to be focused on this. I want to be growing in this way. I want God to be somebody to be talking about helping me notice God. This is worth some of my something, money, time, effort. This is worth something. And it's just, again, it creates that like value here of this thing. Anyway, I don't know if I got off track, but I think that's a helpful point to make yeah and and i appreciate you saying that because it doesn't lower it to being this is just a exchange this is just a social contract where i'm you know i'm paying for services it doesn't quite take it down to that level but at the same time it does clarify the role and the expectations there because yeah I'm always second guessing myself of like, oh man, did I, I need to hang out with so-and-so because we haven't done so in a long time. And if I don't, it's going to be, it's going to yeah. harm the relationship or something. I mean, it does introduce its own complications in other ways when you pay for this kind of service, but those are far less in my mind than the benefits. And that's the primary benefit for me. It's like, look, dude, I'm paying you to listen. So, so buckle up because here it comes, you know what I mean? And I just feel a lot more freedom to be able to be like, yep. Yeah. Okay. So maybe a good way to wrap up would be to give an example or just explain what a typical spiritual direction session is going to look like. So people who are interested know what they're getting into. Yeah. Great question. So the honest answer is it looks a little, it's going to look different with every spiritual director to some extent. They all have their own kind of ways that they like to run a session. So that's part of the, as you go exploring, as you're like, if you're sitting here today going, I'd like to try this. One of the things you'll notice is different ways and personalities might fit you better because they leave the session a little bit differently. But in general, and then I'll be more specific about mine. In general, they're pretty simple. They start with a prayer or some sort of opening. Then the floor gets turned over to you and you get to bring into the session kind of whatever you want to bring. And then the director skillfully asks questions to help you explore and tell the story more fully, whatever this may be. So you may come in and say anything from 
I'm really mad at God this week because things didn't work out the way I wanted them to with this situation in my life, or God feels really distant right now, or my dad died and I'm sad, or I'm having struggles with finances and I'm scared. I hate literally anything. And the director's begins by like unpacking that story. How do you feel about it? Tell me more. And the purpose of that more or less is to ask that question, Peter, like, where are you? Let's orient ourselves. And then the director will typically at some point start turning to, well, where's God in this and turning your attention to God. That's very general. In my particular case, I typically start, we light a candle as a signifier that Jesus loves us and is present with us. Mm. Then I will take a moment or two of silence that I guide people through. And there's different exercises, just different little, sometimes it's just noticing, resting. Sometimes it's being grateful. I'll guide a little short kind of silent practice with a few minutes of silence or seconds of silence so that our bodies have a chance to transition from that world to this space. Mm. And I'll typically read a Psalm and a, and then let you take as much silence as you want after that psalm or reading. Some people immediately start talking. Some people stay silent for 10 minutes. It just depends on what they feel like. And that's that's when I've handed it over to you now. Now it's you and God time. And then we just follow the conversation where it goes. I do what I was saying earlier. When you get close to the end, I'll usually be like, we've got about five minutes left. How would you like to wrap this up? Well, how would you like to end? And we usually end with me praying for the directee. I usually ask that question at the very end. Can I pray for you before you go? And that's how we end the session. Mm. I think one last thing to say on that is that the kinds of questions that, that will be asked are going to be questions that I would say deepen your experience of whatever it is you are currently experiencing and invite you to have that experience directly with God. So it is not uncommon, for example, for me to ask, okay, I hear you feeling this way about this. How does that feel in your body? And to notice that. Can we take some silence and feel that feeling, giving permission to feel what you're feeling? Mm. Then it's also not uncommon for me to say, can we take a little bit of time to take that question, that feeling, that experience to God in prayer? either silently or we can pray together out loud, but whatever you're comfortable with. It's pretty common for me to ask you to pause and acknowledge God's presence in whatever it is and bring it to him directly. And then, and usually I just keep my mouth shut after that. It's you and God at that point. And if you want to say what God does or not, you can, but it's, I feel at that point, it's my job to support you in that prayer. So I hope that's helpful. It is. And, you know, honestly, in a certain sense, what you just explained might sound a little bit intimidating to some people because I think a lot of people get so used to the image that we project into the world as a protective yeah. mechanism, as a survival way of being like, I, I've cultivated this image in order to keep from having to going deep and to keep from being exposed mm -hmm. and people mm -hmm. seeing my, the inner self that I personally experience and know is just a wreck. And everything yeah. you just explained there is a vulnerable place of taking that off for a period. And it's kind of scary. Yes. However, here's a really key difference, I would say, between spiritual direction and something like therapy or counseling, because I think there's a similar, why do we not want to ask for help for to a counselor is I think largely because of that, like, because that exposes me in a way that I'm pretty uncomfortable with being exposed. In the spiritual direction space, one of my most important jobs is to set guards at the doors of shame. Mm. In other words, shame is not allowed in this space. And one of the ways that I do that is I don't require vulnerability. And this is a really powerful part of what spiritual direction does. If you're going to make progress in a counseling office, vulnerability is necessary. And if you don't, and eventually, if you're not willing to do it, the counselor, if they're good, will say, this isn't working. <laughs> Come back when you're ready. <laughs> mm. In a spiritual direction setting, you still are always in control, quote unquote. Like you, there, there's never a requirement to doff your armor. You're not forced to take off that 
protective layer, you are invited to, but you're never required to because there's because you don't have to. There's no progress that we need to make. You know, we're not here to try to fix something. And that's one of the ways we keep shame at bay. It's the director can provide for you the compassion and the patience and the willingness of not a requirement here. Yeah. This is not necessary, but I want to make it safe for you to do so if you want to. So it may take a lot of time. You may have to build a lot of trust before you say, you know what? I'm willing to take this gauntlet off. And as soon as somebody is willing to let a guard down, I think one of my second most important jobs is to give you the experience with me as an analogous experience that you're having with God, that was really safe to do. And it's very greatly appreciated and that it's very, that it, that you are valid in feeling fear and you're valid in doing what you've done so that you experience it like, okay, this was healthy and I wasn't forced. Mm. No, that's, that's a good clarification. Yeah. I think that's, and I think that's important to kind of state that out the way you just did. So that's, that's great. Peter, any final thoughts from you? I would just say to you listeners, thanks for always being here with us. This is an area where I have personal experience being on the receiving end, and I would just love to encourage you to try it out, listeners. And obviously, this is part of what we do. We're a spiritual direction retreat ministry, and we, you know, this is a large part of why we exist, is to offer this space to other people. And so, of course, we have, we're going to invite you to. But really, just on a personal note, I have so needed a space uh, and continue to need as still a, a spiritual director. I, I need a space where somebody is helping me notice God. And it's just, it's a gift. It really feels like a gift. And I really would pray and hope that it would be that space for you too. And I'd really encourage you just to take a jump, try it out, see what it's like to have a traveling buddy with you on your own unique faith journey. Love it. Yeah. And listeners, thank you. And may the grace of Christ go with you wherever the road takes you. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Signpost In, a nonprofit Christian ministry dedicated to helping people connect with God and find direction. We offer spiritual direction, retreats, and lots of other resources like this podcast. Please visit us at signpostin.org to learn more. We especially want to thank our generous donors who support our work and keep this podcast going. If you've benefited from something you've heard on this show, please consider supporting us by making a tax-deductible gift at signpostin.org/donate. That's signpostin.org slash donate. And thank you.